When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Simon Hughes. This is the Analyst Inside Cricket. And we're looking back at the second day of the Gabba Test match. England have a lead of 137. Who would have thought that after two days? They batted pretty well to get 302, although one does sort of suspect that perhaps they squandered a, a good position. Simon, you watched the day's play in Brisbane. How did you see it? Well, I think the game is evenly balanced, although Steve Smith looks so solid in that final session. There's got to be a worry for England, how are they going to dismiss him? Jimmy Anderson, I spoke to him after play today, and he said, yeah, we've got loads of plans for him, but nothing's worked so far. How do you get him out? And he could get a big score, and if Australia get a lead, a reasonable lead, say 50 or 60 or 80, or even any sort of lead, then England clearly will be under pressure in their third innings. England will be desperate to make a couple of breakthroughs in the morning, reduce Australia to about 180 for six, and then see if they can mop up the lower order and get a lead themselves. Well, it's an amazing story, actually, the Steve Smith story, coming into the Australian side and really pretty much a leg spinner. And now this indomitable batsman who averages over 60 and he has 22 test hundreds, which slightly puts Joe Root to shame, actually, given that they've played the same amount of test matches pretty much. And, and also they average, well, sort of similarly, although Root's in, in the 50s rather than 60s. Uh, we'll hear later from... Dean Jones, the former Australian batsman, about how to handle the shorter bowling and what he thinks of the Australian pitches produced so far. And I must admit, the, the biggest surprise of all, I think, is after we were promised this raging green flyer at the Gabba and the Gabatoire, as they call it, it's been a blancmange, this pitch, and that there are signs that actually the, the other pitches, some of the other pitches in the, the series might be the case as well, which sort of almost plays into England's hands. It probably helps England a little bit. I mean, it was a frustrating today because Moeen Ali and David Milan had played splendidly. They got through the second new ball. They'd batted through over an hour's play in the morning. And Australia were on to plan B. They were bowling it short, banging it in short with a field set deep, almost a sort of body line, quasi body line tactics. You just thought, well, this can't keep continuing because they just don't have the firepower. You know, the, the fast bowlers are going to run out of path. They were probably sort of two or three overs away from getting through it. And then Stark drops one short. Milan goes to the pool. He's caught it deep back with square leg. And that started England's collapse. You know, at one stage, you know, they, they were looking at 350-400, which would have put them in a really strong position in the game. But Australia were blunted by the slowness of the pitch. And in a way, England handed them the advantage back. Milan shot. He played really well, Milan. I mean, let's not take anything away from him. He played really well, but it was frustrating the way he got out. It precipitated that collapse for... Six wickets for fifty six, which is which is a real shame. I think it's it's about not just the the shot selection, and I suppose a couple of those pull shots, Milan and Bairstow as well, were out to playing the pull shot, which in a way they were almost sort of a bit early on the ball. The ball was sort of looping off the pitch, but it wasn't so much the shot itself, but the time they played it at. I mean, you made the point there that the Australians have only three quick bowlers. It's very hot today in Brisbane as well. So you have to almost assess 
how many more overs does this guy have in his locker? And, OK, there is a man back on the hook. Maybe I'll just try and negotiate it, get it out of the way, weave out of the way. It's nothing more frustrating, actually, for a fast bowler than banging it in short and the batsman just ducks out of the way and lets it go through. And you suddenly think, as a bowler, that's a complete waste of effort. So it's about, I suppose, learning the the situation as, as much as it is playing the particular shot. Well, Milan had played a brilliant stroke in Stark's previous over and he really nailed it. He hit it as sweetly as any ball that's been struck in the Test match. The difference with this time is that Stark got the ball just a about shoulder height or just above, so he couldn't control the stroke, and it was a it was a straightforward catch. I, mean, I think the, what's so frustrating is that you you could see the plan, you could see the trap. It was it was a bit like you know putting loads of cheese in a trap and uh, introducing the mouse to it, and then the mouse just going, oh yeah, thanks very much, I'll have the cheese, bang, and and, and that that's what it felt like. It, it, it was just so obvious, and you know, Milan fell for it. He's an inexperienced Test match player. Um, he, he did play really well, but you know you you need to make mistakes to learn from them. And we, Jeffrey Boycott was in the Test match special box today, and he said, "Well, we've all done it." And I can remember him doing it at Lords against the West Indies in the in the last over of a day's play, where he was caught at deep back with square leg. That's right, actually. It, 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 I've watched that YouTube clip many times, and uh, it was the last ball of the day. And, and not only was he out, uh, embarrassingly caught a deep square leg when they'd uh, set the man out, and they'd obviously made the, 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 the plan clear, but then he was jostled by spectators as he walked off as well. It's one of the low points of his career. Uh, Johnny Bairstow, talking of, of Yorkshiremen, Johnny Bairstow, a disappointing end as well. And I, we were talking yesterday about the fact that he's batting at seven rather than six, and I felt actually, that he played in a slightly sort of frenetic way, partly because he was at number seven and he knew he didn't have an awful lot of support coming in after Chris Wokes. When he was on naught, he was batting with Stuart Broad. So it was a, I thought it was a really difficult situation for him because he'd, he'd lost Wokes, they'd lost Moen and they'd lost Milan very quickly. And so suddenly he was just Broad, Ball and Anderson to bat with and, he, had, and he, he'd barely started his innings. So in a way he had nowhere to go. I, I could sort of understand the shot. I could understand the way he was trying to play because he thought, well, you know, I'm going to be eight not out here and the others are going to get out at the other end. So I, w- I wouldn't be too harsh on him today. It wasn't, it wasn't a great shot, but you can, you've got to understand the context of the situation. And, and, but that's the problem with this England batting like without Stokes. You're going to have a situation where you know, it is possible for, for Bairstow to be batting with the real tail-enders, and he, he might not get much of a hit. Uh, I don't know what England can do about it, because you know, I suppose what they would hope is that Wokes at number eight can provide some stern resistance and he didn't today he was rather suckered by a ball from Lyon that was pitched up outside the off stump he went through the for the drive and was bowled through the gate I mean in a way uh, Wokes's dismissal was was more disappointing than Bairstow's because you could understand why Bairstow played the shot he just made a misjudgment I, I wouldn't actually be too hard on him although it wasn't a great shot well 63% of England's runs were made by the Ashes Virgins Mark Stoneman James Vince and David Milan so uh, that can be something that, that England can feel confident about, and I guess the selectors can feel quite quite happy about. Now, uh, we should bring in Dean Jones at this point here just to talk about the art of scoring runs when the ball is short. And I, I first uh, pointed out to him that, that you know, we've we heard all his rhetoric about the quick Australian pitches, and as I said, in actual fact, we've, we've got here to Brisbane, and, and it's just a blancmange. He couldn't have had a better Christmas present wrapped up for you guys. Um, all of you got sort of a taste of it and, and a felt of it. I, I thought early, um, 
innings for some of your boys, uh, Vince, um, uh, etc. They just didn't like the short one, but as they got into the pitch, no one really scared them at all. They had had no ba- uh, p- uh, bounce or fiery pace. We all expect by day two it'll be a little bit different, but it's exactly the same. And I think it's a good word that you use at Blamange. It's a tennis ball, and uh, it really helped you guys out because you guys like bowling on these types of stuff. When you play in Australia, and if you're going to bat long periods of time, you need to have an offensive shot, at least one. Now, it might be a cut, it might be a pull shot or a hook shot, but you need to have one to take the pressure off. And now big grounds, Yozza, as you know, not like in England, these are big, big grounds here, 75, 80 metre boundaries. You know, you, if you get, don't even with these big bats, you get a top edge, it will not carry for six and you'll get caught out. So there's no doubt there was a plan to the English batsman, I thought, to bowl a few more bounces at them and I thought they coped with it alright but they they fell for the old Australian way if I can say and even England in the 80s and 90s that they tried to pull the West Indians at times and only so many guys got away with that and um, the, the players later on that were successful against the West Indies so the Mark Wars and the Steve Wars for us they, they learned the cut shot was the best shot to play off the short ball and you can control it better so uh, they're going to have to work on their offensive shots a little bit better off the back foot. Now, that might be working a one or two around the corner on the leg side, dropping the ball at the feet on the offside and pinching a one, whatever. But they've got to come up with a bit of a plan because I have no doubt, and you're a bowler yourself, good fast medium in your time, Yozza, you, you know... High you praise. Know when, yeah, when, you know when the guy doesn't like it short. And, uh, you, and and it goes right around the world like a telegraph. They've got to find a way to score runs off the back foot. Quick overview. Uh, we've, had, we've got a blancmange in Brisbane. We're going to get a low, slow pitch in Adelaide for the pink ball test. So any chance of, of a quick wicket in Australia? I'm trying to hold back the language here, guys. I'm really, really disappointed in what was served up. You know, when we go to... We go to India, we've got Bunsen burners all over the place. We go to England, you've got overcast conditions and a ball will swing perfectly for your guys. You set the whole the whole ground up to suit you guys. We're not we're being really nice here. We'll go to <laughs> Perth. We we'll go to Perth and we'll get a CEO pitch again. It'll go for five days, everyone's happy, but it's gonna kill our bowlers. This series is five test matches over seven weeks. It's a war of attrition for our bowlers and their bowlers and England's bowlers to stay in the park. Now, whoever has the fittest bowlers by, by Sydney will win the series, I think. Well, that was Australia's Dean Jones, who was, of course, a, a very prominent figure in the 80s and 90s in their team, a very forthright batsman. And it wasn't only England who frittered their wickets away, though Australia, the top order, looked as fragile as we suspected. Well, Cameron Bancroft hung his bat out to dry. Usman Khawaja basically missed a, a straightish ball from Mo, and it might, might have just pitched and, and, and straightened a bit on him, but his, his technique looks all at sea against the, the off spinner, and he hasn't got a great record against off spinners. And then Hanscom was caught on the back foot by uh, Anderson, hit him on the back leg. It was amazing, actually, that it wasn't given out straight away. England reviewed it, and then it was overturned on, on review. And, and before that, David Warner, who, who was batting in a sort of bristling sort of way, he was trying to be positive, we, we got out in a way that we've seen him get out before. So that shovel into the onside, and he was caught at, at mid-wicket. That was a huge bonus for Jake Ball. So Australia's batting was indistinguished as well, until we got to that fifth-wicket partnership between uh, Smith and Marsh. Smith, as I said earlier, impregnable. Marsh... 
Of course, under pressure, I think it was ninth time he's been recalled in 24 test matches, which is amazing in itself. And there was a lot of criticism and, and question marks over his recall at the age of 34. But he looked really solid. He's been in good form and he, 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 he just batted properly. And it, it, he didn't look like getting out. And he's, he's got those runs as well on the day that Glenn Maxwell, who is uh, you know, challenging that number six position in this Australian side, especially with the fact that they've only got four bowlers and Maxwell can bowl a bit. Maxwell made a double hundred in, in shield cricket. So a perfect time for, for Marsh to get some runs. He's got, of course, he's got power to add on the third day as well. I was really impressed by, by him, actually. I've always thought he looked a, a nick-off sort of merchant, a guy that can uh, often look good and then play a loose shot and get caught in the slips or caught behind. But he looked a little bit more solid. Maybe the slowness of the pitch helped him. I thought Moen bowled steadily. He didn't get as much turn as, as Nathan Lyon. I mean, Lyon was ripping it square. And that's a, that's a slight worry for England going forwards. I think they need a lead of... 70, 60, if they can somehow knock over the last few wickets. I mean, there's not an awful lot of batting left, Australia. They've got Tim Payne coming in next, who, I mean, is a pretty good player. But after that, mostly the bowlers and Cummins and, and Stark can, can wheel the willow. But you should be able to keep them quiet and, and get them into a, a miscue. So I guess breaking this fifth wicket partnership is the key. How to do that? And that's the question. Plans for Smith, but none of them have worked so far. He is, a, he is a fabulous batsman. You look at the start of his test career and he looked like a club player and he's turned himself into one of the best players in the world. It is amazing. His record is, is fantastic. England need to get rid of him pretty swiftly tomorrow because if, if Australia do get a first innings lead, any, any sort of lead, then you can see that fragile England batting line, which actually resisted in the first innings. You could see that fragile England batting line not quite getting enough runs in the second innings. And if the pitch does sort of settle down a bit and, and it doesn't turn as much, you know, it, we have this whole sort of debate about how much the ball is going to turn. And Moen, you're right, he didn't get it to turn a lot. There was some, but nothing as much as, as Lyon. You know, Lyon could be a threat in the second innings as well. And, and you know, If there is not much for England to work with, in that fourth innings, then you know Australia could get themselves into a into a winning position. Well, uh, it's all set up beautifully. It's been a, a tantalising couple of days. I mean, run rate round about two point five, two point six, and over. So not exactly scintillating stuff. It's been more of a war of attrition, and I think probably uh, the series as a whole will be like that. Uh, maybe we should uh, reflect on the the birthday today of, of Ian Botham. He's been. Uh, doing one of his famous charity walks around Brisbane today and uh, having a few glasses later. So maybe that'll inspire England into a, a, some kind of sensational spell or an amazing innings that will get them uh, out of range of Australia and somehow they can pull off a great victory in this first test. Well, you feel as if there's going to be a result in the game unless the weather intervenes. And there's a, a feeling that there might be some showers around in Brisbane tomorrow, showers on Sunday here as well, and on Monday. So, I mean, the, the weather could play a part. Just talking about Ian Both, of course, the last time England won a Test match at the Gabba, 86-87 series, Ian Botham made a century. So, you know, perhaps that's some sort of omen. Someone needs to make a big score in England's second innings to give them a, a victory chance 50s, 80s in the first innings. Someone needs to get 100. Well, let's finish there and, and hope someone does. We'll speak to you at the same time tomorrow to reflect on the third day's play. Sports Social Podcast Network.